Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Okay, episode 81. We're going to be talking cannabis, aromatherapy, and terpenes with Amanda Breeze. Now, Amanda is a cannabis specialist and an aromatherapist in Toronto, and this is a really great episode. Uh, both AC and I met Amanda independently many years ago um, when Amanda was in the Rail Yard Ghosts, which was, which was like a folk punk traveling band, and I was in the uh, Hills and Rivers, which was my band, folk band, and we would we tour together, and uh, AC was traveling around with her, with her bus. And that was really cool. And then now Amanda is a cannabis specialist, and she is working with aromatherapy, essential oils, and bring that together with uh, cannabis to to enhance the therapeutic and recreational effects of this amazing master plant. We get really deep into what terpenes are and how they work, and how there are actually the same terpenes in cannabis as in lemons and oranges and various other uh, plants. We also get into why cannabis smells like skunk. Um, And it's a really fun episode, so I hope you enjoy it. But before we get into it, uh, I'd like to announce a couple things. So I'm going to be speaking at the Astromagia Conference, um, which is an online conference about astrology and magic, uh, which will be October 8th through 10th. And there are going to be some amazing speakers, including Freedom Cole, Austin Kopic, Chris Warnock, who I've studied with and who has been on this show, Lee Lehman, and a bunch of other amazing astrologers and magicians, Demetra George, um, and some others, and more people that I don't even know because they haven't been announced yet. Um, I'm going to be speaking on 17th century medical astrology, herbalism, um, Basically, like blog rave and Culpepper and natural magic, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited for it. Um, and you can get 10% off your ticket if you go to astromagia.am22rise plus. I think that's it. Uh, it should say there. Um, and that's good until June 12th. So get on that if you'd like to get a reduction the ticket but it's going to be a really fun conference and i'm really excited and honored to be a part of the lineup also as you may know uh, i have been studying horary astrology and i'm uh, finishing up my studies with christopher warnock and i am going to offer one more time uh, to do free readings so if you have a burning question and you want me to give you a detailed answer uh, to this question you can email me at info at plantcunning.com and I will send you a Hori analysis. Hori astrology is really an amazing kind of divination. It's way more complicated and precise than tarot or runes or anything like that, um, but it's very similar. Uh, it you know Tarot and runes can be better for other things, but... But Hori is really, really precise, really detailed, and it's been it's taken me a long time to get good at it. But doing these free readings helps me get even better. And I will start um, offering these 
uh, for payment, you know, as a as a uh, service um, in the future. So this will be the last time that I'll be offering them for free. So if you'd like to to do that um, and get a, <clears throat> a horror reading from me, email me uh, before let's say the end of June, and uh, and I will I will I will do a, a free reading for you. Um, and this is not a natal reading; it's a horary reading. So if you, if you want to look up, if you type in horary um, and Christopher Warnock into YouTube, he actually does a really great um, introduction to what horary is and what kind of kinds of questions are good. But really, just any yes or no question, I can answer pretty much. So um, yeah, hit me up for that. And uh, without much further ado, here is the episode. Okay, so today on the Plant Cutting Podcast, we have Amanda Breeze. And I first met Amanda, so did AC, we met her back when she was uh, uh, hopping trains and playing ukulele with the rail yard ghosts. And that was a wonderful time. Uh, but so apparently since then, you've become a cannabis specialist, which is pretty amazing. Um, and you specialize in aromatherapy and cannabis and this is all really fun stuff that we're going to get into but our first question is always how did you come to the plant path yes you guys i'm so excited to be chatting with you both i love you both so much and it's such a pleasure <laughs> to be able to talk plants with you guys um we've all come a long way from the train hopping days yeah um, but really that's where my passion for plants became because mm -hmm. sleeping outside every night for years mm -hmm. and, you know, you start to discover all these plants around you. You start to meet really interesting people who know so much about them. So a lot of my, you know, first knowledge on plants came from a folk tradition of just sharing information with other people who I was traveling with and meeting on the road. Um, which evolved into foraging, you know, the moment you realize you can just eat something from the same place you're sleeping. Um, and then that evolved into, you know, finding medicinal uses of plants and mushrooms and yeah, just exploring all the amazing plants, you know, and especially for me, because I'm born and raised in Toronto, which is a mega city. So being able to travel all over the States and to all these like amazing natural places and seeing plants that wouldn't have grown here. Like a big breakthrough for me was actually um, the rainbow gathering that was in like North Carolina. And I almost hate doing shout outs to like the family, but um, th that was the first time I went somewhere and saw recognized nothing, not uh -huh. a tree, not a bush, not a shrub, like didn't just had never seen that kind of um, environment before. Cause that's not really found in Canada. So yeah, the, the traveling path led me to the plant path for sure and actually really led me to cannabis because I smoked, you know, in my teenage years. Um, but when I first started traveling, I ended up at a friend's memorial in Oregon. And we heard this rumor that if you went to California, you could get a job on a weed farm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dream. no way. 
that's crazy. Like a weed farm, you know, like I never thought like, oh, like weed grows on trees, you know, like I was like, no way. So that's actually how I met the rail yard ghosts. Um, I hopped in their van and we, they took me with them to this magical rumor of California. And we ended up in Redway, which if you've been there is kind of like the worst place in the Emerald Triangle. Um, no, no, sorry, not Redway. It was Hayfork. We ended up in Hayfork. Um, okay. Worse than Redding though? It's up there, you know, like Garberville <laughs> and Redway are very family oriented. Whereas I found like some other places were a little more like gang you know, weird, more drug vibes. So yeah, it was, I almost never went back, but I'm glad I did. But that's how I came across weed and started in the industry was following this rumor and this crazy group of kids, <laughs> and, you know, 10 of us in a minivan with like 20 instruments and 30 dogs. And <laughs> we got our first jobs out there and I was completely hooked. The minute I stepped onto a pot farm, I was just like, wow, this is, this is it. I love it. Yeah. Was it yeah. just like all the terpenes in the air? Is that well, yeah, the the smell and also, you know, um, if you've ever been to California, well, California, first of all, was like, oh, my God, I'm Canadian and I'm in California. Like that was really cool too to just like see the redwoods and explore just like that whole NorCal vibe. But then, mm -hmm. yeah, seeing the plants, sun grown mm. fields of cannabis, like as far as you could see, smelling it everywhere. Like I'll never forget that first time I drove down the 101 and you just smell it everywhere. Like it's so memorable. Yeah. So that was, that was really huge for me being able to work with the plants for the first time and see them in their natural state. You know, a lot of times if you're a cannabis consumer, you're only seeing the end product. You're seeing the dried trimmed ending. And yeah. when you're there, you get to see the tree itself you get to see it being chopped down, you're watching it dry. And then, you know, you start out as a trimmer. So then all of a sudden you're handling thousands and thousands of pounds, which <laughs> yeah. you've never seen before. Right. Um, it's like sweeping up like a pound of weed a day from like the floor and us like East coast kids are like, oh my like God. Million dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, back then, uh, that was like 2011, 2012, we, it was still, um, black market was still strong. And so yeah anything smaller than your thumb, we would throw in a garbage bag. And at the end of the day, drag it into the woods and dump all these garbage bags of weed and rank them out. And it was like a weed graveyard of like every day you're pouring out garbage bags in the shake. And like, you know, when you're just a consumer living in a city, you, you save every little scrap, you save your stems, those totally. tiny little stems, you have a little baggie of them and you're so proud and it's like a year's worth. And yeah. then you're on this farm and they're like, yeah, it's time to take these huge garbage bags full of butts <laughs> and throw them in the woods because we don't want them. Yeah. Um, so that was just the volume of it was crazy. Yeah. And just, just seeing the plants too, like, um, untrimmed, everything looks yeah. so different and has such a different energy. So yeah. 
the blue dream, you know, the, it has these nice long fan leaves. It looks like a new year's Eve party. They're all swirly and sparkles and you see the purples and the blues, but once you start trimming off the leaves, you know, you get your standard nugs and that's beautiful too, but it was just a whole different experience. It sucked me in and I've never left. Mm -hmm. So then fast forward to now, um, what do you do now and what do you, how do you engage with the cannabis plant these days? Yeah. So I still, um, I live in Canada, like I mentioned, so we've legalized in the past few years. Uh, so things are very different now. Um, a lot of the legalized stuff is very locked up, super tight you can't just walk around barefoot. Uh, you know, you got to wear the hair nets and the full gear, the safety gear and everything to experience the plant. So I've been lucky that I uh, met a friend a few years ago who grows here in Ontario. He's uh, from Grow, and he grows regeneratively. So it's something I've also, even in all these years, had never come across because a lot of California is monocrops and, you know, lifted beds or lifted buckets. Um, so he does regenerative gardening and I'm really lucky that I get to go and hang out and help out there throughout the year. Um, so they have a bunch of plants on that property and I like to go during harvest season um, and hang out with the plants. Uh, we grow a ton of herbs on that property. So there's like marshmallow and nettle, hate nettle, because it's always right where you need to be. There's always nettle growing right there. <laughs> Um, knows where you're going to need to be at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, it's really great out there. And we have all different kinds of cultivars that he's producing. Um, and he's, he's, his approach with regenerative growing, we do like no-till soil. He makes all his own nutrients. So I really have gotten to experience this whole other side of organic cannabis that's truly grown with like so much love for the plant and so much respect for the soil, the water, the sun, everything there is, is really perfect. It's just such a stunning property um, with some chickens and, and all that fun stuff. So I get to have a little bit of the keeping the black market feeling alive by getting to work on this family farm. Cool. But on the legal side, things are a little bit different. So my day-to-day is like a lot of consulting and talking about cannabis with people who came from other industries that wanted to try their hand at legal. So a lot of folks you meet in the legal industry have never had that experience. Maybe they've never even been to a farm, you know, maybe they've just, you know, there's just so many marketing people, CEOs, like maybe they came from furniture or pharmaceuticals. Like a lot of it is really having to explain the plant medicine from the ground up. And the thing with corporate cannabis and really corporate anything or pharmaceutical industry is they want to bring things down to their isolated elements. So that's kind of the hardest part is engaging with those types of practices, because when we were talking about cannabis medicine and cannabis plant medicine, it's the whole plant, it's the flavonoids, the cannabinoids and the terpenes working together. Whereas a lot of legal industry products we're taking the separate elements and putting them in and sort of reverse engineering a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. That you're the farm that you're working at now sounds like a big difference than like the monoculture California bro farms yeah. that, you know, we're probably familiar with. Or indoor 
grows, you know, that's, mm-hmm. it's, but that's yeah. really nice that you get to, you know, kind of see all these, all these different aspects of the industry. And now you're at the point where you can like share your knowledge with people that haven't gotten to see that, like you said, and haven't really formed the relationship with the plant. Cause as you and I know, it's a master plant, you know, it's, there's some plants that, you know, just have a certain energy and power to them. And cannabis is definitely one of those. Yeah, that is exactly it. And so, um, I definitely see a really big disconnect between that, you know, the energetics of the plant and being able to interact with it, even something as simple as, um, breaking up a bud with your hands before you roll it to smoke it. As we mm-hmm. see the industry moving more towards vapes and dabbing in concentrates, which definitely have their place. Mm-hmm. Um, the disconnect, you know, deepens. Yeah, true. Now it doesn't even look like a plant. It's like a little plastic thing that you plug in. And so the disconnect is, is becoming greater. Um, but there's still, uh, I, I like to think that there's still a lot of room in the industry for, herbalists and people who are passionate about plants to find their way and still interact with the legal industry. It's, it's especially tough here because Canada has very, very strict regulations on packaging, um, tobacco and also alcohol. And so if you come into a legal dispensary here, what it looks like is an Apple store. It looks like you're selling phones or laptops because they're not allowed to display the products. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you choose a product, you're, they're also not allowed to put, um, any marketing on the product. Like Uh you can have a, it would look like, um, I'll describe it for the listeners, but it's basically like a one shaded jar, completely opaque Mm -hmm. with a ton of warnings, Mm -hmm. the the jars warnings, and then a tiny little logo of the brand on the front that doesn't really say much. So you actually can't see what you're buying before you buy it. Really? All the packaging is opaque. Um, so that's also interesting because it, it means that you really have to buy a product based on what other people have told you is good. Yeah. And they don't give you a chance to smell it or sam- like see a sample bud or anything like that. No. You're just no, like, no, no, no. Nothing like that. Yeah. So you can't ever see anything before you buy it. Everything's packaged up and they all have these um, stickers on them that can't be broken. It's like a Uh Canadian tax sticker. So they can't even open it in the store and show you before you buy it. So it's further separated people from the plant because it's become a marketing thing. So which of the brands are our marketing and, and how they market it has to be very strategic because it's very restrictive in how you can market cannabis here as well. Again, like you can't always show pictures of the plant. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really quite, the legal industry is so different. Um, and really it's a bit of a grab bag. You sort of never really know what you're going to get and paying a higher price point doesn't ever mean you're getting a higher quality product. Yeah. So I huh. guess, uh, Good thing there's still a black market. <laughs> yeah, and the black market here is is definitely still alive. Um, yeah. And yeah, fuck yeah, I love that too, right? Like, it's a place totally. ends because the the black market. If it wasn't for the black market, we wouldn't have a legal market. So it was all those drug war veterans who right. paved the way for us to just walk around downtown, go it into weed apple stores and, <laughs> and then smoking it while you walk down the street, right? Like we've come a long way, but um, 
Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting industry to be in on the legal side. And you also make products, right? Yes. So I do make products. A lot of my products are still in the black market because um, bringing stuff into the legal end is quite challenging with yeah. all the regulations. But yeah, I love making products. Um, so you know, a lot of things clicked for me in the past few years. Um, when California went legal, because I was Canadian, I was really loving that under the table money of the black market. And, you know, once all the farms I worked at decided to take the step into legal, it would have meant, you know, I have to get work visas and just everything would have changed. So it wasn't for me. And I was like, I'm just going to test the waters in the legal market. Um, I moved back to Toronto and saw this class was happening. Um, it was like a pay what you can hydrosol class. Uh-huh. Um, and I've always been interested in floral waters since I lived in Portland because, you know, there's so many roses. So I started dabbling in DIY hydrosols and I thought, oh, this is so cool. I would love to take a class um, and try it out. And I met um, one of my dear friends, Tracy TF. She's the owner of a place called Anara's Apothecary, um, which is a shop based out of Toronto. I took the one class with her. I was completely hooked. I was like, these are my people. This is where I want to be. Um, and I started taking all of her classes. Um, and through her apprenticeship program, I was able to get certified as, uh, as an aromatherapist. Cool. And she teaches, you know, lotion crafting and bath stuff and, you know, terpenes 101. She gives everyone like a, a knowledge base to be able to craft their own products. So everything that I make was inspired by all of those classes that I took with her. Um, and then, you know, as we, as time is passing, terpenes are now what everyone wants to talk about because mm-hmm. the science is finally catching up. Um, you know, the cannabis folks are catching up with the aromatherapists mm-hmm. and we now have conversations about how smell influences our mind influences our body and it's not about the THC and it's not about the CBD. It's about the terpenes and the quality of terpenes in the cannabis. That's going to modulate the effects of the weed that you're smoking. So sativa and indica, we're starting to really move away from those terms um, and trying to, uh, trying to educate uh, consumers on things to look for, to find those effects based on the terpene profiles. Yeah. So, um, terpenes are an important constituent in a lot of plants and mushrooms too. I mean, we had a conversation with, uh, Ben from Rasa and he was talking about basically with reishi, it's like the terpenes in the reishi that give it the shellac shell. And that's what makes it an adaptogen. One of the things, um, but, uh, for those listeners who might not be so familiar and for us need a refresher, um, what, what is a terpene? Yeah, that's a great question. So a terpene is basically a volatile scent molecule. So it is smell. It is just what smell is everything that has a smell. Um, when you look at its smallest parts, it's a smell molecule and that's, what's giving the aroma to all of these different things. So you find them in plants, you find them in mushrooms, um, you find them in some bugs. Uh, so all of these different living things produce terpenes and that in aromatherapy, we look at terpenes 
to, to create wellness, right? You can use the terpenes to create different effects on your mind and body. So what happens is when something has a smell, you obviously smell it, you experience it with your nose and within seconds, terpenes enter your whole system and immediately have an effect. Um, whether it's uh, psychological, like if you're walking through the woods, you know, people talk a lot about forest bathing. That's all the different smells of the forest you're walking in, having an effect of calming and belonging and grounding. So these effects are happening as you're experiencing them. And we can recreate these effects by using essential oils, which are around 95% terpenes. Um, they're just steam distilled from various plants or cold press. There's a bunch of different ways, but basically we extract the terpenes from the plants and we get these essential oils. Um, so there's been some really cool studies done on terpenes where um, they got um, participants to smell something and then they tested their blood and they found that within five minutes, terpenes were found in therapeutic amounts in the actual bloodstream of these participants, just by smelling something like off a of Kleenex, a couple oh of gosh. It literally goes right into your system, right into your bloodstream. Um, in holistic aromatherapy, we use both inhalation as well as topical application to have terpene therapy. So by putting um, essential oils on your skin, they're gonna be absorbed into your body that way as well. And that's why terpenes and cannabis really work so well together because they're such a small molecule that cannabinoids can sort of piggyback and go deeper into your system and be more effective. So if you find like a really fantastic full spectrum product, it probably contains some percentage of essential oils or terpene isolates to really push the therapeutics of that product. And then of course you're gonna smell it as well. So if you find like a fantastic night cream that has THC and CBD and lavender, you're getting all the properties of linalool, which is a terpene from lavender mm -hmm. um, by smelling it while it's absorbing into your skin. So you're getting this whole holistic effect, a holistic therapy just from the smells. And so maybe that's cool. also like, why breaking up a bud and rolling it into a joint or putting the you're getting the terpenes in your, you know, topically in your fingers and you're smelling it too, kind of like primes the pump in a way. Um, another study I read about recently, they took um, cannabis essential oil. So again, they took, I think it was a Jack Herrera plant. Um, and they steam distilled it. They collected the essential oil of it. Um, it was like myrcene and beta caryophyllene dominant. Those are two common terpenes we find in cannabis. Uh, and they got participants. So they, it was like a whole very official scientific study. They had like an EKG machine. They were measuring skin temperature. They were measuring heart rate. They were measuring brain waves. And then they also had like a questionnaire for the participants to assess their mood um, and like their perspective, what their experience was. And basically they put a couple of drops of a cannabis essential oil on a Kleenex got the participants to smell it for about five minutes. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that from the smell of cannabis alone, the effects on the body were equal to 
30 minutes of yoga, meditation, mindfulness, um, like Tai Chi or sort of like sit gentle movement, uh, meditative techniques. Um, it matched another study that had been done on the effects of that on the body, except that was done for 30 minutes. This was just five minutes of smelling something. So just by smelling the cannabis terpenes, it had an effect equal to 30 minutes of mindfulness or meditation, which is crazy. Wow. That's how powerful cannabis aroma can be. So breaking it up with your hands and having that moment with the plant really does affect your whole system and the whole cannabis experience. Yeah. That's wild. It's so wild. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't smoke anymore. Um, but I still love to just smell, you know, a fresh bud, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that just that experience is, is good for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but also, it brings to my mind, like, um, you know, in, if you're doing like ritual practice, like the importance of incenses, you know, mm. and the aroma part of it, like, cause it really puts, puts you in a, in a different headspace, you know, and like, depending on what plants you're using and different plants have different, you know, constituents in them. But a lot of the plants that you use for incense, you know, like frankincense or myrrh or uh, whatever, you know, they, they have a lot of those volatile <laughs> things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why they get used in those practices, right? It's different. Um, So we can talk about terpenes as isolated things. You know, I named a few myrcene, beta carophyllene, linalool. Um, Another common one is limonene, um, which is like your lemon and citrus smells. So we could talk about limonene as an isolated thing, but we can also look at it as a bouquet. So when you think of the smell of peeling an orange and you get that burst of deliciousness and energizing, um, that's limonene. And the same limonene is in cannabis. It's the same molecule just found in two different things. And so if you have a high limonene cannabis strain and you're smelling it, it's going to have similar effects to the peeling a lemon, zesting, uh, zesting a lemon or peeling an orange. Um, but we can also look at it as an isolated, um, as it, as part of the bouquet, because an orange essential oil, isn't just one thing. It's not just one smell. It's a series of smells. It's a multitude of terpenes all commingling and creating these effects together. So, um, it's interesting because some people who are, um, newly exploring cannabis aroma and, sort of by default aromatherapy, because that's, that is what it is. Um, in cannabis, they call it terpene therapy, which to me is like a little bit bonkers because <laughs> it's already a thing and it already has a name. Um, I just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really funny because, um, a lot of folks in cannabis feel like they just invented terpenes, like <laughs> the papers you read or the articles you read, it's like, they've just discovered this thing for the first time. But meanwhile, aromatherapy has been around for centuries. And if we look back on documents from like the 1900s, they're very similar to the findings that they're finding now. Um, You know, citrus is being energizing. Um, A lot of resins like your sandalwood, um, you know, the meditative, the myrrh, the stuff that you were just mentioning, those are what we consider sort of base notes. Those are on the low end. So often those tend to be used for meditation because they are very heavy 
very calming, you know, each thing has its own properties, but if we just look at base notes, generally, we can see that they have these calming effects. And so if that's your jam and you love feeling like that calming vibe, those are the quote unquote indicas of the cannabis world. They're going to have those same terpene profiles as the sandalwood, as the MERS. So we can really bring the two worlds together, cut out the bullshit. We don't need to reinvent how aroma works. We can look at aromatherapy and completely apply it to the science of cannabis aroma. So that's a lot of what I do these days is I sort of explain that to people, right? And different ways we can uh, approach cannabis aroma. Um, So more recently, brands have been uh, labeling their products with their terpene profiles. So this is cool, but it's also creates a whole new challenge because the average person who's just starting to learn about what a terpene is seeing percentages of a bunch of science words on the side of a package. It's not really going to translate into what it is. Um, if you don't know what limonene or myrcene is, what is it going to mean to see it on a package? Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's a little problematic, but if you do, then you can say, you can figure out like, oh, I like the more energizing cannabis varieties. So I'm going to look for the limine. Um, so I guess it can be helpful, but you know, without you're, you're, if you're not allowed to say on the package, like, oh, this is an energizing variety, then that can make it hard for the end consumer. Well, also if you can't smell it. (laughs) Yeah. I was just thinking that it's like, what a disservice that you can't smell it because our body knows what we like and what we need. And some people go for like the more sedative varieties and some people go for the more energizing varieties. But if you have anxiety and you go for an energizing variety, then that might just further, you know, that effect. And so that is sort of a bummer, a big bummer that um, you can't smell it in Canada. When you're purchasing. Yeah. Until you've already bought it. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's not really labeled. So one of the things, uh, there's some techniques out there that you can teach yourself when you're smelling cannabis, yeah. uh, including, um, it sort of depends on your olfactory system and that's mm-hmm. sort of your smell system. And it's all happening in your general nose, face, forehead area. Uh Um, And so uh, interpreters are people who interpret terpenes based on smell. And you can train your nose to determine whether something is basier or more higher notes um, by practicing how a smell feels. Okay. Mm. Okay. So you would take your jar, even though you didn't get to smell it before you bought it. So level one, you take your jar home, you smell it. Like you just said, AC, did you like it? Did you not like it? Your body's response to it immediately, whether you know anything about anything, if you don't like it, it's probably not for you. If that smell isn't, doesn't smell mm, delicious. I want that. Then maybe that wasn't the right strain to choose that day. Right. If you're having a good response to it, that's a good thing. Then we can take it to step two, which is figuring out where in our nose we're smelling the aroma. So if you're finding it in the tip of your nose, it's probably more of an indica. It's basier. If you're smelling it more in your forehead and you'll almost feel like a little vibration, um, 
Forehead is going to be your sativas, your um, narrow leaf strains. And obviously if you're smelling it more middling, it's going to be a middle leaf or a medium leaf. Everything's a hybrid, but it'll be like, you know, in between an indica and a sativa, what we would call a hybrid. Um, So you can practice learning how to find these different smells and you can practice it by using essential oils. So for me, I have a bunch of high-end terpenes that I've been working with to really hone those skills. Um, But isolated terpenes are very expensive. And honestly, most often they're from botanical sources. They're not from cannabis because you need so much plant matter to isolate uh, a small five gram or five mil jar of terpenes, every jar would just be prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the times these terpene companies are just creating these extracts from other botanical sources, from woods, from oranges. So you can use essential oils, which are much more affordable to practice this technique. Um, getting a really nice lemon essential oil and seeing where am I smelling this? And you should be feeling it in your forehead. If you like the more meditative aromas, any of the resins, um, also things like rose or jasmine tend to be quite bassy. So, um, I'm trying to like stay focused here, but if you think of the high notes being often fruits, Mm. Um, peels of fruits. Uh, that's generally what a top note would be in perfumery and aromatherapy. Those would be our sativas. Um, our middle notes would be herbs, things that are more herbaceous. And again, that'll be sort of middling, but it depends like cilantro might have a lot of limonene. It might. So you have to start exploring all these different aromas. Um, and base notes are usually resins, the woods, um, the roots of things, but also, uh, like the sexual organs of the plant. So Jasmine is actually a base note. So some Mm -hmm. flowers, most flowers will be top notes. Some flowers might be base notes. So there's some exceptions to the rules. Um, but that's a good way to start practicing, figuring out where things are. Mm. You look at essential oils, you know, you can find essential oil terpene profiles on so many different websites and you'll start to see patterns of which things are high in which terpenes. And you can start to understand what these different terpenes do therapeutically that way. So a little bit of like a hands-on approach to aroma instead of, you know, seeing a limonene or myrcene on a package and then Googling it and figuring it out that way. Sometimes it's a little more fun to seek out these other things that contain it and figure out where they hit in your olfactory system. Hmm. That's really cool. I'm, I've never thought about that of like the, the notes of a plant or an essential oil, like hitting your nose at the tip or the middle or at like the forehead. And I'm, I'm like really excited to start sniffing some things and seeing where it lands. So when you're making blends of an essential oil blend of like different plants, um, you mentioned like the high notes and the base, base notes, like can you talk a little bit about like how you might make a blend for maybe a specific thing like energizing or, or calming? Yeah, absolutely. So generally speaking, when we're doing an aromatherapy blend, we uh, have top, middle and base notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you usually want half of your blend. So 50% of the blend to be the top notes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause those are often the most, they, they evaporate the fastest. So you want like a higher volume of those in the oh 
in the blend. Um, your middle notes are usually around 40%. And then your base notes are going to be around 10%, which is smart because resins tend to be more costly as well. So this sort of works out in a lot of different ways, but this is just like a good rule for when you're making an aromatherapy blend. Um, an acute blend might be equal parts of each. Um, so I kind of have a few different approaches to how I blend things for my products. Um, what I typically do is match the terpene profiles of the essential oils to the terpenes in the cannabis that I'm using to make the products. Nice. So this way we're doing um, this technique called stacking, which is uh, an aromatherapy technique where you strengthen the blend by having uh, the same terpene from multiple sources stacked. Um, let me try to explain this better. <clears throat> so when we're working with terpenes, having more doesn't make them more effective. So if you have a room full of limonene, no oxygen, I keep saying limonene because I feel like that's a really familiar smell for people. Lemon, it just sort of, to me, draw my fave. Yeah. It's like a good, good parallel. Cause like myrcene doesn't really mean anything unless you kind of know where to find it. So right. I feel like it's a visual and it, it simulates the senses. So let's say you have a whole room, no oxygen, but you're fine. It's full of limonene it will be less therapeutically effective than having a gentle waft of the same thing. So terpenes are more effective when it's just gently wafting than an intense, uh, overwhelming blast of it. Um, and a few studies have been done that have shown that terpenes are more effective in smaller percentages. So when we're working with essential oils and holistic aromatherapy, we usually use 2%. So if you're making a lotion or a balm, usually you'll use 2% essential oils to whatever your lotion base or oil base is, and that's an effective formula. And if you think of cannabis, most cannabis strains are two to 5% terpenes. So it checks out. So this is another reason we can take aromatherapy and apply it to cannabis because we're using them in about the same proportions. Mm -hmm. um, what you find is in vape pens or products where they're introducing more terpenes into them, it's not more effective. So how do we make a product more effective without putting more essential oils or more terpenes into it? So this stacking technique is what works best. So if you want something really energizing, you could just put a few drops of lemon essential oil in your diffuser. But if you find other uh, essential oils that have a high volume or their primary terpene is also limonene, we're going to blend those together. So if we do lemon, orange, lime, it's probably going to smell a little freaky because there's no base notes in there, but <laughs> we're bringing in, just as an example, we have all these top notes. It's going to mm -hmm. strengthen the formula. So you're really going to feel extra jazzed. We're still only using 2% by having it diffused in the air at a low amount, but because we have different sources of limonene from different botanical sources stacking over on top of each other, it's actually strengthening the therapeutic value of the blend. And this can also be applied to cannabis or with cannabis, where if you're using an energizing strain, you can stack essential oils or diffuse essential oils at the same time 
to strengthen the effects of the cannabis terpenes. So we're bringing them all up together by using terpenes from different botanical sources. And ultimately it's all inhalation because you're smoking the cannabis and you're breathing in the air that's been sweetened with whatever essential oils you've chosen. Cool. Hmm. So is, is that because each of the plants has a different, a slightly different combination of terpenes and other um, volatile oils like a, a lemon they all have limonene but they also have various other ones and but but those also harmonize with limonene so you have all these different like harmonies that are all centered around limonene that all interact well together yes um that's the bouquet that's the aromatic mm-hmm. bouquet so we're bringing in all of these other terpenes because this is we want to talk about whole plant medicine. Um, so if you just had isolated an isolated terpene and you just dropped it in your diffuser, it would not be as effective as something with that same terpene that had other things in it. This is the full spectrum. This is the plant medicine. We want all those other elements. Um, linalool is a great example of that because it's what we consider a supportive terpene. Um, linalool is one of the primary terpenes in lavender. It's what one of the ingredients that makes lavender calming. Um, And when combined, when linalool is found in any terpene profile, it strengthens the effects of all the other terpenes present. So if you find a strain that has some linalool in it, scoop it up. Um, If you're making a blend, add a couple drops of lavender to the blend and it'll strengthen all the other elements in that blend. And this is especially important if we take a step forward into the therapeutic value of terpenes. Um, So one of the blends that I I sell actually quite a lot of is an analgesic blend. It's a pain relief blend and it features terpenes that are known to be pain relieving. And I take all these different essential oils that feature these terpenes and we bring them together. We make a blend that's pleasant, that people want to smell, it's a little spicy. Um, because beta caryophyllene, uh, which is found in black pepper is known to be pain relieving. Um, so we have a little bit of spice in there. We have all these different things. We're bringing them together. And then just by smelling that aroma, it's going to have those pain relieving properties. So then if we bring in a strain or something that is also featuring that terpene, it's going to increase that value. And I always put a little bit of lavender in because I want to make sure that linalool is there to just rise the whole thing up and just strengthen that entire blend to be more effective therapeutically. That's really cool. Yeah. It sounds like an activator herb. If we're making a formula, you know, we want it, want like the herbs to work a little better and faster. We might add a little cinnamon or cayenne to like a infused oil or tincture or something like that. And it stimulates and activates the other herbs. So yeah, we're um, like gardening. Uh, I know like growing nettle with plants ups their essential oil uh, production. So maybe it's good. The nettles are there with the cannabis. I I didn't know that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a a cool way to formulate. Um, There was something else I was thinking though, is so you've got the aroma, but you've also got like, uh, the skin contact too. And so like with the weed, you're breaking up the weed that goes into your skin as well as into your nose. When you're doing lotions, does it, it, it also goes into your skin as well as into your nose. Is there a difference in how those two, uh, ways are, yeah, of, 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 yeah, in, in taking the, 
the constituents are, you know, how, how are they different or? Yeah. Well, when we're talking about cannabis, we're also bringing in, um, cannabinoids, right? Yeah. That's the right. THC and CBD. Okay. So we have this whole other piece when it comes to talking about cannabis that we don't talk about with essential oils, which is the effects of cannabinoids on the system. Um, so when you're using cannabis topically, uh, it doesn't break the blood brain barrier. So you don't get high, uh, from that. Although I've definitely gotten a solid buzz from harvesting plants. Like yeah. Yeah. you've ever done it, you definitely get a solid buzz. And I think yeah. it's kind of what you're saying. Like it's a combination of being in the room, harvesting fresh plants, you know, you're from head to toe, you're covered in trichomes, you're covered in resin. Yeah. It's all up in you. Um, trimming even it's like, yeah, I wasn't smoking weed, but I was trimming and I, I definitely felt it. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a thing, but generally speaking, if you're just like a normal person using like a weed lotion, you wouldn't get high. From it. <laughs> um, rather yeah, than like a like, trimmer who's in a, you know, trichome covered state in the yeah. and we know you never get to shower on weed farms so you're just like that from day one until day 30 or whatever <laughs> just like <laughs> in resin. Yeah. um yeah that's definitely a thing so yeah there's you know there's a lot of things to think about for sure um when it comes to terpenes they're definitely being absorbed into your skin they're definitely having different effects and that's why we see like essential oils used a lot in skincare because these terpenes can help with everything from headaches to varicose veins to dry skin to irritate like you know essential oils and plants, right? When we're using essential oils, we're just using very, very concentrated parts of the plant. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's always nice to make uh, herbal and organic topical formulas because we can bring in other helpful plants like red clover, St. Jones wort. like you can bring in all these amazing botanicals. You can bring in terpenes with essential oils. You can add your cannabis oil and you can actually create extremely robust, um, therapeutic, medicated formulas that really work for people. And cannabis is amazing for skincare, like just skincare alone. It's so rejuvenating for your skin, moisturizing, um, nourishing. Uh, and then if we increase the dosage of cannabis in the product, then we have our pain relief when we're using THC. And CBD is generally more to treat inflammation. And so you can start to access different parts of the plant as well for depending on whatever kind of treatment you're seeking. Cool. So if you wanted to make a, a lotion or a salve with cannabis flower, um, you can just infuse it in the oils. Do you have to like use like a low heat or can you just put it in a jar? Like how, how would you actually go about making it? Yeah. So there's some, you know, DIY techniques, and then there's some like high, higher end techniques. I right. say kind of in the middle, um, uh -huh. because I, a lot of what I, what I do to make products now are those same techniques I learned on the road through people teaching me how they were making oils. It's all very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, the difference between making a cannabis infused oil and making a red clover infusion mm -hmm. is just that we want to calculate the dosage of cannabinoids in the product, in the final oil. Whereas like most herbs, we don't approach in that way. Yeah. So cannabis is sort of unique, right? Because we factor in cannabinoids and dosages. Um, if you're making a topical 
it sort of depends on your purpose, but I generally do, um, let's say like an ounce of plant matter to a hundred mils or a hundred grams of oil. And I, I think off the top of my head, we're probably looking at depending on the THC percentage of the strain or cultivar you're using, if it's around 15, you're probably going to get, um, I think it's like 200 milligrams per 15 mils, something like that. So there's so many websites that you can go on that will do all of the math for you. Like awesome. I go to Hempster, it's an edible calculator. You can completely use it for making topicals and you basically input, um, the amount of cannabis you're using, the amount of oil, they say butter, but really any oil. Mm -hmm. um, and then the number of servings, which would be kind of like the number of products you're producing. You do have to do a little sorting, but it's actually quite obvious once you do it once or twice, and then you can calculate how much you're putting into each of your products. So for like a skincare or something, you know, it doesn't have to be a high dose. You could have as low as one to two milligrams of THC or CBD because we don't need the pain relief. We just need some, it's an enriching botanical. Yeah. If we're looking at um, something medicated product for a patient, you know, it might be 500 to a thousand milligrams depending on the volume of the bottle. Um, but generally what I do is uh, take my flour or my shake, whatever I decide I'm working with that day. Mm -hmm. And the first step of making a cannabis topical is called decarboxylation. Mm -hmm. um, and basically you're turning the acidic form of THC, which is THCA into THC, which is what our bodies can absorb and digest and work with in our endocannabinoid system. So uh, without getting too crazy into it, basically it activates the weed by heating it up, but not burning it. If you yeah. burn it, you're done, toss it, start over. Mm -hmm. uh, so you want it on a super low heat for like an hour. I usually do a hundred Fahrenheit for maybe an hour, like something really low. Uh, you guys probably use Celsius, like 50 Celsius for, uh, for Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. We're with you. <laughs> okay. You guys do. Yeah. I always mix it up. I get right. it all mixed up. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you can just do your classic double boil. Um, the most important thing to remember with when working with cannabis is that it's not water soluble. Right. So whatever you're using has to have some kind of fats, an oil, but any oil works, um, olive oil. Sometimes I use castor oil on really low heat. Um, I use cocoa butter a lot because it's solid at room temperature. So it's great for bath stuff. Um, great for balms and creams and you just, you know, sit, have that double boil going for uh, usually three, three to six hours sort of depends what I'm making. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can put it in, in anything at all that you would like. Cool. If it's just going to be a body oil, you can use it as is right. again. I always encourage people making their own add high quality essential oils to whatever you're making. The terpenes will make it so much more effective. Mm -hmm. And whenever we're talking about body care, 2% is perfect max 5% because essential oils are so concentrated. You can actually cause a lot of damage by misusing them or putting too much in a product. Um, mm -hmm. it can be very damaging on your skin. So 2% is perfect. Just go with the, you know, 2% essential oil to whatever your carrier is, and you're going to have a really effective product. And it could just be as simple as that. Um, when you want to advance it and take it to the next level, that's when you can start to ensure accurate dosages, um, 
ratios of CBD to THC. You can bring in, you know, your analgesic terpenes from different essential oils, expand your blending. You can bring in um, amazing plants that are also fantastic for pain relief. Turmeric is great. I do add a lot of turmeric infused oil to my balms. Um, it's a little yellow, but it works. <laughs> so cool. it's a good up. Yeah. So then you can really advance it and start making some, some crazier things. Nice. Thank you for that. So that brings up a, a point about contraindications, like as an aromatherapist and um, you, you know, someone who's used a lot of essential oils, like definitely don't just put it straight on your skin, right. An essential oil. Yeah. That's like one. Always, always dilute. Yes. And so 2% is that like sweet spot two to five. Yes. Okay. Two to five sweet spot. If you have sensitive skin, take it down. Like you yeah. can always add more later. Right. Um, if you do 1%, sometimes, you know, for soaps and stuff, I'll only do 1% because it doesn't need to be so crazy. Um, and sometimes people don't want a heavy aroma. So -hmm. if you're someone who's crafting products to sell, uh, you might not even want to go with the whole 2%. Yeah. And essential oils are expensive. Mm -hmm. Essential oils are expensive. Yes. (laughs) They're expensive to make too. You have to have so much material to make a small amount. Yes. Better not waste it. You need the whole setup. You need a still, you need an oil separator or a lot of patience and a pipette there. It's like, (laughs) it's a whole thing. Um, for sure. Essential oils are quite costly. Um, if that's a barrier for someone, um, there are essential oils that are more affordable than others. Um, top notes again, tend to be more affordable because, um, things that produce a lot of oil, will be less expensive. So that's why citruses are kind of in everything because if you think of how oily an orange rind is, it's obviously gonna produce a lot of oil. But if you think of um, sandalwood is prohibitively expensive. Pure Rosa Damascena is prohibitively expensive because if you touch a rose petal, they are not oily. There's nothing there. If you touch a tree, it is not greasy. So it's not producing oil. So to extract those, you need a lot of plant material. So that's why those tend to be more expensive um, because they're harder to produce. So you can find um, more affordable essential oils, but you know, I think it's one of those things where sometimes cost does matter because you want to make sure you're using a high quality essential oil. If you find rose at your local drugstore and it's $15 for a 10 mil bottle, it's diluted. There's no way that's rose. It might even just be a fragrance. Yeah. What's the difference of a fragrance and essential oil? Yeah. Fragrances are often synthetic um, and have other ingredients in them. Essential oil are pure extractions, either cold pressed or steam distilled, um, that come from just that plant. Okay. Um, so there are ways to find cheaper ones, uh, like Bulgarian lavender is quite exquisite, uh, and everyone loves lavender, but you don't need to use imported Bulgarian lavender essential oil. You could use a lavender blend. Um, which just means that it's several different types of lavender blended together. It doesn't mean it's a blend of other things. It's just like, it's not specifically Bulgarian. um, And that's what makes it more affordable at the shop. I work at 
our higher end, more expensive oils, we dilute for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll offer like a 10% or a 3%, um, diluted in jojoba. So you can still get the aroma, but you don't have to pay per drop. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. So like, uh, a few weeks ago, I got some yarrow essential oil because yarrow is amazing for breast health. And I was making a self-massage breast oil. And I think it was like, I want to say like $40 a drop. Like it was crazy expensive. Um, wow. but I, I went there, I did that. Um, but I got it diluted. Yeah. So it still has the properties, but I was able to get more for less while still using the pure quality therapeutic level essential oils. And it's blue, right? It is blue. Yeah. It has the like azulene thing. So is chamomile. Which yeah. Is really yeah. I, it was, it was cool. It was really cool. To see. <laughs> so uh, where is the line? <clears throat> I mean, cause you can get the, the essential oil, which is a, you know, a very specific thing, but you can also um, just take yarrow and infuse it in oil, which would be much lower. Mm. Um, but like, lower cost and also much lower, uh, strength, strength. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys know as well as I do that, like a yarrow infused oil is still potent medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you kind of have to decide, you know, what is the purpose of my formula? Um, what am I trying to create? What is the end game here? Why have I chosen this plant? Do I need it in its most exquisite um, extracted form? Uh, Peppermint's a good example because peppermint essential oil, one drop is like a thousand cups of peppermint tea. Yeah. So if you're not feeling great and you're feeling congested and you're like, oh, I want some peppermint in my life. You could just make a cup of tea. And that's going to be great. You don't need to go crazy and start diffusing oils. Never eat them ever, yeah. never, ever consume essential oils for that reason. Specifically, um, it's quite costly. And most of the time I would go the route of making an infused oil. So I did include a yarrow infused oil in that particular formula because it would be insane to put 2% of an essential oil when I can get the same effects from something I can forage yeah, and yeah. Really get that true, true earth medicine coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just, I always take a moment and decide what exactly is my goal here when I'm creating this formula? Like, what am I trying to achieve for the breast oil? Because I was making a higher end, more exquisite product. I decided to incorporate the Yarrow essential oil, but mm-hmm. I really only put like a drop. Yeah. Or in the whole thing. Right. So it's there, it's still very concentrated, Mm -hmm. but it's working with all the other things at the same time. Yeah. Um, Another thing that you can do if essential oil, the cost is like a bit of a barrier is, uh, explore essential oils, co-product hydrosols also contain all of the elements of the plant, if not more right? Mm -hmm. Um, People often call hydrosols fractal waters because Mm. they contain all of the elements of the plant that they come from. So they have their own type of magic. And I think they're sort of underplayed a lot of the time. I don't really know why, because they're so cool. It's like a floral water. Mm -hmm. Um, And it comes from the process of making essential oils. So these are products, they're co-products, they come out together. Um, 
and they also have amazing medicinal properties. So sometimes uh, like neroli is a great example. It's orange blossom. It's smells amazing. It's divine, but it's a blossom. So we know it's not a very oily thing. So it's going to be more costly. So I'll often just bring the neroli hydrosol into a product instead. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite essential oils to work with, uh, alongside cannabis? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Wow. There's so, there's so many. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys can tell this is all I think about all day, every day. <laughs> um, yeah. So a favorite essential oil. So I, I really love, um, black pepper mm. is really cool to me mm. because it's, uh, has a very similar terpene profile to cannabis. Um, and even though, uh, maybe I should explain cannabis, you know, different strains smell so different, even though it's one plant, every strain has a different terpene profile. Um, they all smell different. Blue dreams, very sweet. Um, you know, you have your gassy, you have your diesels, you have your skunks, like all these different smells coming through, but generally there's like eight terpenes that are just kind of always in cannabis. They have just primary terpenes that you'll find in, in most strains. Um, so black pepper has a very similar terpene profile to cannabis. And what's unique about black pepper essential oil is that it also activates your endocannabinoid system. So it's not just cannabis that can activate your ECS. There's other plants that do it as well. And black pepper is one of them. So I always like to bring it into my blends because it's like that stacking thing or bringing in the lavender. We're strengthening the formula by thinking, oh, let's activate the endocannabinoid system while we have CBD in our cream. So we're really going to get the anti-inflammatory effects and we're really going to get those pain relieving effects. So that's definitely a good one. Um, marjoram is kind of underplayed, but pretty cool. Uh, I use marjoram a lot in my presentations uh, on aroma because it's an herb it's a kitchen herb. So it's quite common. Um, and I always think it's fun, you know, to bring in the kitchen herbs because we're always thinking like sandalwood, Bulgarian rose, but it's like marjoram it's there. It's one that's there too. You know, it's fantastic. And it's aromatic and it does so many things when you eat it. And it's so good for your digestion. Um, but it also has a, a very similar terpene profile to cannabis and in that uh, study that I mentioned earlier, where they found the effects of cannabis aroma equal to mindfulness practices, if you look at the terpene profile of the strain that they chose, it is almost identical to marjoram. So there's wow. a lot of cool layers of things that you can get into when you're working with cannabis and essential oils. So those are definitely up there, but on their own, freaky. Like I wouldn't want a black pepper lotion. That's not a thing. <laughs> um, like marjoram. What the fuck? Why yeah. would I smell like a kitchen herb? Like, I don't know those things. So that's why we then have to factor in our blending techniques and complementary aromas and figuring out what is the purpose of this? What, what else do I need to put in this? Um, how am I going to create blends? Um, a blend can be as simple as three ingredients your top, middle, and base note, um, or it can be as complex, like 
I have a sweetheart massage oil that was designed to be seductive, but energizing. And it's sort of like a, it's sort of just like a self-love oil. Um, you know, it has really high CBD, so it's like a body oil. And then I, I just loved it so much. I turned it into a balm. So then I have a balm version of it as well, which I actually wear as perfume. So that's a little cuckoo crazy because it's a CBD product. So it's like a really expensive perfume to wear, but it smells so good. And so that one has like the jasmines and ginger, um, and some more floral, you know, notes that come through. Um, but coming up here, future forward, I've been in having these amazing conversations with the terpene company that's based out of the States. And they sent me a, a big chunk of their catalog which included Blue Dream, which everyone loves. Everyone loves Blue Dream. It's grape, it's fruity, it's floral. Um, so I, Future Forward, will be actually working with cannabis terpenes to incorporate into my topicals, which is, could be a hit, could be weird. I don't know if people are ready to smell like pot, but <laughs> I'm there. I'm living I'm there. So that's I already of, do anyway. I, you know, I already do. And I never <laughs> notice until people come over and they're like, your face stinks. So, <laughs> I, I live in like a, a nice condo now, but I, have a, I work on a pot farm. So it's still, I can't help um, it. Just my pet yeah. skunk. <laughs> yeah, in my closet. And actually the skunk thing, I'm really glad you mentioned it. That is like the biggest piece of news coming out of the cannabis aroma scene. Okay. Um, uh, there's this amazing author I'm completely obsessed with. His name is Avery Gilbert. He wrote a book called The Nose Knows. Okay. And he is a sensory psychologist who currently works a lot with cannabis aroma and doing studies on aroma. Um, so he has this fantastic book. Um, and I found him through this company abstracts that makes these amazing terpenes and, uh, they all collaborated and did a study on skunk aroma in cannabis because nobody knows where that skunk smell comes from. Mm. And when you think about weed, you think skunk like this whole time we've been talking fruity we've been talking floral we've been talking all the pleasant aromas of cannabis but there's that whole other diesel gas nasty yeah. the you know those Funky. other odors yeah. yeah the funk that really is what is the plant is known for right yeah. so they you know this is why i love science because mm -hmm. they said you know everyone says that cannabis smells like skunk. So why don't we compare skunk aerosol mm. and see if that's what makes cannabis stinky. And so they took, it's called like gas chromography. There's like this whole machine that does it. And I'll just jump ahead, but basically they put skunk aerosol in, they pulled it out and they discovered a whole new series of terpenes. Um, cool that are like sulfur based. They're called VSCs. They're volatile sulfur compounds. Mm -hmm. Um, and they literally discovered a new smell Whoa. that is from skunk. The same terpene that mm -hmm. is in skunk is in cannabis is in garlic is in uh -huh. onion. 
Okay. Um, and that's kind of paved the way for a bunch of new studies. Hopefully we'll be seeing in the next few years, because there are not a lot of science official studies on cannabis aroma. It is really just starting. Mm. Um, but they're looking at, you know, the health benefits of the allium family of the garlics and the onions. If we're seeing the same terpenes in cannabis, does cannabis have similar effects as that? Yeah, that's the question, right? Wow. And as herbalists, you guys can kind of put two and two together and be like, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we can guess that. Yeah. These things would relate in the same way we understand how like molecules work and how science works and how the body works, but they're, you know, they want it to be official. Um, and so, yeah, this new discovery of this family of compounds from skunk is creating this whole new opportunity for research into cannabis aroma and effects. So that's cool. exciting. Yeah. So it's a sulfur, a, a sulfur compound. Yeah. It, they're called VSCs. Um, I, I read the paper. It was thick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a scientist <laughs> and I know you guys know this cause you knew me like 10 years ago, but, um, yeah, no, I am definitely not a scientist. So this was a very thick read. It took me a few days to get through, but, um, there's something really funny about these scientific papers. Like I actually find them very enjoyable yeah. because science is fun like that. They're yeah, like, it's a discovery. It's a discovery and it's a hypothesis. They, and to me, the skunk thing is just like, once I read it, I was like, it's so obvious. Everyone says weed smells like skunk. So why wouldn't it be the same yeah. terpene? Right. Yeah. It makes so much sense. But somebody in 2021 was like, well, let's get an answer to that question. Cool. Um, and they were like, yeah, checks out. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, and they also found it in like durian. So they found it in oh. a few other fruits and vegetables that mm -hmm. have that same stank to it. Right. Um, so what would happen? I mean, do they make, do they make garlic essential oil for a diffuser? <laughs> not that I've ever seen. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> I actually get asked that question, not specifically garlic, but tomato. A lot of oh, people really? smell like tomato. No way. Yeah. Cause I, I still uh, volunteer at the apothecary sometimes. So I get to interact with just like normal everyday people yeah. who want smells. Um, yeah. Tomato is surprisingly popular. Um, and I always, you know, try to offer some wing nut solutions because we don't make that, but there are, there is an essential oil that's very common in perfumery, like high end perfumery that does smell like a rotting, rotting bag of onions. Like that bag you really forgot about for like, uh -oh. six months. you know, that smell yeah. rotting yeah. ass onions and it's often used in high-end perfumes yeah well, interesting you, you gotta have something like dark and yeah, like uh, i like those smells you know to offset the floral and the high notes you gotta have something mm. that draws you in yeah that's that's classic perfumery they always have some sort of stank yeah. in there somewhere to ground it um and that's the bouquet right that's why we want that's why I like working with essential oils because they would contain those little subtleties of things that you don't get from isolates. So yeah, it's definitely a thing, but it's super gross. <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder what, what it would be like to like mix like onion and garlic um, smells with, I mean, because they all also have other compounds too, like probably like allicin or whatever other things are going on with, with marijuana. It would like the, what that combination would do would do. Yeah. 
Well, I always, when I think of um, onions, uh, you know, we have a friend, Katie, and she told me this really funny story that I've never forgotten about how she was a little kid and she came across a field of wild onions and she thought it was the most beautiful perfume in the world. And she would just rub them all over her body (laughs) because she loved the smell. And her parents were like, what the fuck? (laughs) For her as a child like that. And that is a thing, the wild field of onions, like that smell is amazing. And to her magical perfume, Um, And I think about that a lot because sometimes there is a sweetness to the sour and it's those two things together that really make the aromas shine for sure. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great story. (laughs) She knows that I remember it, but it's like always stuck with me because I just think I just, it's so cute. Like if you've ever stumbled across a wild onion, you do have that, oh my God, like you smell it and then you see it and you're like, oh yeah. And it's that whole moment in time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, we're coming up on the hour or past. We blew through the hour here (laughs) talking to you. Um, How can people find out about you and your work? And um, if there's anything that you want to share, any parting words of wisdom? Shoot. Yeah. Okay. So I have a website. It's emeraldtempleliving.com. And I, you know, try to keep up with blog posts and stuff. So definitely check it out. Um, And then I post a lot of stuff on Instagram in my stories. So often if I'm reading like a scientific paper, I do it like the the dumb version where I explain it to myself, but then I post it on Instagram. So people follow along and kind of explore with me. Um, It's like science for dummies, but like I'm the dummy. So (laughs) enjoy that. If you're into aroma, that's definitely where you can find a lot of stuff. And it's at emerald.temple.living. And of course, because I work in cannabis, you have to type in the whole thing. You can't just find me casually. Um, but yeah, find me on those places and reach out anytime. I'm always wanting to talk about cannabis aroma with other weed nerds or aroma nerds. It's clearly my favorite thing to do. So, <laughs> and thank you guys so much for having me. This is a dream. Oh, thanks, Amanda. Thank you for being on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Really I actually, interesting. I took more notes than like, any other interview. I feel like I was just like (laughs) learning so much from you and wanting to remember everything that you said. Cause when you're in the, like when you're in the moment of an interview, like oftentimes my mind is not the best at like remembering it's like, you know, I'm in the present moment. So I was like scribbling notes. (laughs) So thank you so much again. And I can't wait to see you soon. Yes, me too. (laughs) Bye.